Hello and welcome to our podcast series Inside Impact Investing. My name is Hans Tegeman, Chief Economist at Triodos Bank. This season I'm diving into the concept of economic transformation and transformative investments. By talking to different thought leaders, I want to find out what is needed to make our economy more sustainable and how to finance the transitions that are needed in society. From the energy and the food transition to a more regenerative economy and a more equal distribution of wealth. Thanks for tuning in and joining me on this journey. Today I'm talking to Bas Eickhout. Bas has been a member of the European Parliament for the Dutch political party GroenLinks, Green Left since 2009. As vice-chairman of the Environmental Committee, he works on European climate policy, amongst other topics. He's convinced that Europe must and can take the lead in combating climate change. Besides being a member of the European Parliament, Bas is also a climate scientist. That's why he's committed to an ambitious Green Deal, accelerating the energy transition, protecting nature and phasing out super greenhouse gases. He's also working on plans to make the heavy industry more sustainable. Welcome, Bas. Great to have you in our podcast. Thank you. Well, great. Uh, thank you for having me, right? I was looking into uh, all the ambitions in Europe and if you compare it also so on, on regulation and the work you have been doing. And what strikes me always... There are some huge ambitions still at European level. How are you doing with it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 certainly a lot. If you look at at the ambitions that 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 have been put forward now, the Green Deal. Yeah. I still think, by the way, there is a bit of a discrepancy between the ambitions that are being put there on the table, which is basically a total new economy in twenty five years. Basically, huh? we have mm-hmm. twenty five years left until twenty fifty. So it's a huge agenda for a very fast transition. But if you then look on the legislation, then, of course, you see that, uh, yes, we are making progress. And there's absolutely a lot happening in the energy sector, in transport sector. But to be very honest, we're only at the beginning. Yeah. And if you then already see the resistance building, also people feeling like it's a lot, can't we, can't we slow it down a bit? Then I think that's becoming a big worry, of course. It's kind of, okay, yes, it is a lot we're asking. I really think it's also necessary. But if people now already feel that they are bombarded with change uh, being put upon them, we're only at the beginning. So so that I think that's, that's going to be one of our major challenges as well. Yeah, and if you start with the vision eh, of the idea of the, of the Green Deal, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, the Beyond Growth Conference, as being something radical and new. And I was thinking, if you look closely to the European Green Deal and the Beyond Growth Conference and the concept of Beyond Growth, is the idea behind it not not very closely related? That might seem radical and, uh, and take some distance for a lot of people. And maybe that's also why it's so hard. But you know, I understand why you why you ask that. Uh, and that, that I think mainly has to do with circular economy. I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big challenges we're having in our current economic system is, of course, that it's very much built upon getting resources out of the earth, use it, burn it, dump it. That's, that's, mm-hmm. basically, that's basically our current growth model. Certainly, the circular economy is, is fundamentally changing that concept and will also, if you do it right, will impact, of course, our growth model because our growth model is very much focusing on 
getting value out of the resources that have no value as long as they're in the earth. And with the new circular model, you're, of course, less focusing on getting extracting virgin materials and virgin resources, and we are more looking at recycling and, and maintaining and propagating the, 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 the added value into the, in, and maintaining that in the cycle. That will have consequences for, for economic growth, for sure. However, I would say that, that first of all, that also means we need a serious agenda on, on sufficiency and how much resources do we really need yeah. That is totally not on the political agenda yet. And secondly, then the circularity also needs to be very, well, it needs to be a full circle. And for now, we're still mostly focusing on recycling, you know. Yeah. How can we at the end prepare resources for being put back into the chain, but we do not really have demand side policies. So in that sense, if we do it right, then yeah. then I think post-growth and Green Deal can become much yeah. closer than, than they are now. Yeah, and, and I think it's also a very positive way. Yeah? So if, if you say the economic value of, yeah, I always use the example of a refrigerator, is how long you can cool your stuff in a refrigerator and you make a, a refrigerator that lasts twice as long. So the value, the use value a consumer gets out of his refrigerator is twice as long. It means that he has to buy a refrigerator half the time. And if there mm -hmm. were only refrigerators in an economy, that would mean halving GDP. Yeah. Without losing any utility derived from the product. No, absolutely. This is the most extreme case, of course, and this will not happen. But I, I think if you think along those cycles, and because that should be the end point also of the policy, if you do it right, because that means less resource ex extraction, also less dependency of other countries. So there's also this, that geopolitical agenda would be better than that helps also to, to convince people, not only on uh, sustainability stuff. And that is a positive agenda. So why are people then worried about the word degrowth or beyond growth or think it's radical? Yeah, I think this is also when we organized the conference, we on purpose were calling it beyond growth Yeah. Because I think the term degrowth is having a negative connotation. And I can understand. We all want to grow, right? It's yeah. in our human nature. You want to be champion. If you do sports, you want to win. So you always want to reach further. If you're then going to put central, no, it's going to be degrowth. You have the feeling that you are being put back, kind of. No, you're not allowed to further flourish as an individual also. And I think that's that's one of the reasons And I think, of course, if you look at economic growth, degrowth has been very much related to economic downturns. So unemployment, people losing their jobs. That doesn't have to necessarily be the case, but mm -hmm. it also shows you that when we are talking about beyond growth, and if we realize that because of a new economy, we also have another growth model, then you also need to think of a different social system, right? How do yep. we deal with employment, et cetera? But as long as that is not in place, of course, then people are a bit like, oh, wait, I, I don't want degrowth. I, I don't want to lose my job. I think that's where a lot of the negativity comes from. Yeah, I agree with that. And and there's also another thing I was thinking about. So, so you, you said before, uh, I'm optimistic about at least the, the Green Deal in 25 years to build a new economy is, is a great idea. Legislation is a problem. But it might also be 
given history, a little bit ridiculous idea is that we get a new economy through legislation, right? Mm-hmm. It's normally it's innovation or, or, or new things that drive that new economy. Is that not also why we are struggling so much in this case? Well, I would dare to challenge you on that one. Because if you look at the current capitalistic system that we have been building, there's a lot of policy choices in there. Deregulation, on purpose, putting policymakers further away, leave it more to the markets. Also at the European level, competition policies are in the hands of the commission. They take decisions. We cannot Mm -hmm. even control it as a parliament. So we, as politicians, gave our powers away because we thought that the markets can always do it better. So you even have to protect it from politicians, and that's even stronger in the United States, right? So, I mean, it's of course always a mixture. I'm not saying that, that, that everything should be driven by policies, but I do think that the current capitalistic system that we have been building is also part of very clear and thought through, well, you... Sometimes you wonder whether they were thought through, (laughs) but at least deliberate policy choices that have been made in the past. Yeah, and you can also say, yes, the the society we created is a consequence of both policies and and markets and and what rule markets get to do their thing. And that's that's also policy. I, I agree with that. So maybe it's also good to to what I think is the still the centerpiece of capitalism and it's the financial sector. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I have to say, from working in the financial sector, even in a very sustainable bank, there's a lot of regulation from the European Commission coming that way. And you have been over the last few years also on the forefront on, <laughs> of a lot of that regulation. And if you look at where we are now, for instance, taxonomies, um, SFDR, uh, all those abbreviations uh, we have yeah. CSRD. Lovely and, acronyms, yeah. Yeah. I sometimes doubt being in the financial sector, what the result of all this will be. How are you looking at this? And maybe I'm, a, I'm too early in my judgment on it. Probably I am. But I'm also in, really in doubt if I see how much work it is, how much work for consultancies it means, which is also mm-hmm. very extractive in the end. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> what's your view on it? No, I understand your doubt, to be very honest. I think this is, well, partly, I, again, I, I, I hear you say there's a lot of legislation also coming at the financial sector. I also there sometimes has a feeling, really? I mean, sometimes I, I am not sure we are putting the right policies in place. So, I agree, yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's certainly sometimes uh, uh, also going on. And, and I think the taxonomy is a good example. When we started with that, it was kind of a cornerstone of sustainable finance. And let's be very honest, I think uh, you can subscribe to that. The financial sector for now is very poorly regulated on, on sustainable finance. So it's mm-hmm. all voluntarily, there's a lot of greenwashing out there. I mean, I think each bank is calling itself green to a certain level. It was not regulated and and basically something had to happen in order to to make sure that we are sincerely talking about sustainable finance. So, so far, so good, you would say. And I think so far, everyone on on even also on the financial side, let's would say, and even also said it, it's good to regulate it a bit, to, to put a bit of structure in all this. So the taxonomy was a very good idea from the start. However, and this is what quite often happens with politics, unfortunately, 
then the lobbying starts. Then mm-hmm. everyone wants to have a piece of the pie. And everyone is kind of, okay, but then if we're going to develop a taxonomy, then suddenly in this, co- in this concrete case, everyone wanted to be part of the taxonomy, right? So each sector that then would not end up in the possibility of ending up with a green label, you're almost a loser. Yep. So this, at a certain moment, if you look then in the evaluation of the taxonomy, where it was meant to create a golden standard for what are green investments really leading to this new economy, has now become a sort of kind of label that if you do well, you can get the label. So the entire meaning of taxonomy changed because of political compromises, lobbying, and et cetera. And then what you are left with is something that is an obligation for a bank like like yours, right? They have to fulfill it or they want to because how can you say you're green if you don't fulfill this? But then it has become an obligation of all kinds of things where you don't see the added value anymore. And then you can start doubting, wow, is the taxonomy still that what it's what it meant to be and and i think to be very honest it really shifted deviated a lot from its initial idea um i think where you know but now you get the politician speaking mm-hmm. apologies for that it's kind of okay but what we will also see is that in a couple of years time and i know that can be annoying for you because d- during those years you have to do the obligations but I think in a couple of years' time, we will see that the political compromise is not enough, is not delivering enough. And then you have a hook to improve it. Mm-hmm. I also would love to do it immediately right. But unfortunately, we didn't succeed. I just have to admit that. Are you positive on... So we have only the, the, the first two parts, so climate adaptation and mitigation of the taxonomy. The next four are... I think in, under consultation still, if I'm... In, uh, the consultation finished, it's coming very soon, uh, yeah. the, the, the final but, proposal, yeah. Yeah, but in the final proposal, all some very essential things are left out, so that we also know that <laughs> they will not help that much. But So if, if I take your argumentation, I can see it, so it, then we'll see that it is not good enough, and then we have a hook again to do it better. And also depends on, of course, on um, the elections we get next year in in Europe, how it will evolve. Mm -hmm. If you would look at all those developments, do you see any way that this can be rescued or does it all depend on the elections? To be very honest, I mean, and this is, I mean, I I just told you a bit more the theory of uh, of how, how it works in politics, unfortunately. At this moment, I'm not very optimistic. The mood really shifted not only within Europe, but also internationally. Uh, look at financial players in the United States, basically pushing back on this, this entire agenda of sustainable finance. So also there you see some investors then backing off if they're yep. not sure. And there's also really a Republican agenda on purpose going against it. So the entire politicization of this agenda is is full on again, I would say. It seemed when we started with the Green Deal, with this new commission in 2019, that we could manage to depoliticize it a bit. So make it a more of a a kind of a societal agenda where you can still discuss the the, the rate of change and, and how fast we should go. But at least agreement on where we're heading. I see a backlash on that internationally, yeah. certainly driven by uh, a very bi- bipartisan agenda in the United States. 
but also within Europe and look at the elections that are happening in Europe all over the place, right? I mean, we've seen Italy shifting to a pretty far-right government. We've seen Sweden and Finland, usually quite progressive countries, also going to the right. We will have Spanish elections in July, might follow the Italian example. Then we have Polish elections in fall. Let's see whether we can get rid of the current government. That's basically what what Mm -hmm. is on the table. Until now, it all falls in the wrong direction. And that is, of course, hampering the development of this agenda in Brussels. And then in Brussels, you see that that mainly the Christian Democrats are preparing for the elections next year and are pretty much now campaigning against the Green Deal. So also the politicization on the Green Deal is happening in Europe. and, And that is usually not helpful for a commission to take new initiatives. And basically what you can say on sustainable finance is that this commission will not do so much anymore. These, these, these parts of taxonomy, they will put on the table. There is still this proposal where rating agencies have to look at the greening element, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And it will really boil down to the new commission after uh, 2024 uh, before we can really yeah. see a new agenda potentially uh, getting yeah. out. I try to go on a little bit more positive because what you said is, okay, we, and I agree with it, we can't expect markets to become more sustainable by themselves. So we need policymakers. Part of it is regulating the financial sector to become sustainable. It's hard to be very positive about it going forward. And then the question for me is what can also financial institutions like Triodos Bank is want to contribute to its transition, what can we do or what can we do differently to accelerate the transition if policymakers will not help us? But if clients want, at least our clients, mm-hmm. <laughs> want to, to, to move on with that transition. No, and I mean, this was indeed a bit of the, the negative developments that we're seeing all around us, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean indeed that we should give up. That, that in no way should be my, is, is also not my message. I'm just giving a bit of the context where, yeah. especially on new initiatives, we are a bit in a, you know, it always comes in waves. And at this, uh, at this time in the history, basically, we are a bit in a, in a low phase. But that means a new wave will come again as well. You know that. Sometimes also driven, by the way, by people realizing what's happening out there, right? Because that's also still sometimes the disconnection of some politicians with their policies and what's happening outside. The best example, sorry to to go there, but the best Mm -hmm. example for me was Meloni, Italian prime minister. She went to Japan for the G7 to weaken the G7 conclusions on climate but she had to leave early from Japan to go to Emilia-Romagna for all the flooding there. And I know there's a discussion where the climate change has a full, but it certainly has to do with environmental degradation of the huge impact there. So yep. you sometimes wonder, you should see a link in what you're doing in G- at the G7 summit. And then when you are going back to Italy to look at the devastating consequences if we are neglecting our natural resources. So yep. I think that, that at a certain moment will certainly change politics as well again. I think in the meanwhile, what is, of course, the positive part is that I see in many industrial sectors, I see that they know that they have to change. They don't know exactly how. They are uncertain. And I think we will come back to that element, which I think is the biggest problem in Europe, the uncertainty. 
but they do they do see something needs to happen. Sometimes that's because of investors are pushing that in their direction, but it's also they see it themselves. I mean, also production processes are getting more and more vulnerable because of climate change. Look at any factory in Europe that is depending of dependent of cooling water of yeah. rivers is more and more concerned whether they will survive yeah. their production process in the summer. So that is a very concrete direct effect that they need to take into consideration. Yeah. So you do see that that there is less of a debate now in the different um, industrial sectors. Do we need to change yes or no? They know they do have to. I think the biggest challenge is will they manage to get the investments to Europe? That, I think, is our biggest challenge. We have a huge mm-hmm. investment gap in Europe. Yeah. And here, of course, the easy way out would be politicians giving that certainty, giving a clear guidance, and then investors will come. I think here also, this is why so much of importance there is also to the discussions we are having at the European level about public finance. And then again here, stability and growth pact, these kind of discussions are all very much linked to this. But of course, you would also love to see more clarity on a European industrial policy. I'm not so sure that will come right away. But here, of course, I think banks like Triodos can also help in really calling out for that. And and there, if I have to be honest, I find financial players like Triodos a bit modest still and maybe a bit too silent. Kind of Mm -hmm. they need this clarity from the European level as well. Where is Europe going? And if you are putting out there a vision of a green deal, but then on your daily basis not taking those decisions, this mismatch will backfire at a certain moment. And here I think we need more societal players like banks to really speak out on that as well. So what you you mean is it would help if we, and I agree with that, so what, what fun... What investors, financial players in the end want is to have security on on where the economy is heading so that you know what your returns can be so that you can create new markets, more sustainable markets, and that you can also with private money invest in it. So the the way it doesn't have to be only on on public finance and that you can do it more. And that means indeed that you need public finance, but also that you need regulation going in 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 a certain direction. And if that and I, I can see that that's a different agenda than wanting to regulate everything. That's a, that's an industrial policy agenda. And that's more maybe also more closely related to the Inflation Reduction Act in the US that you say, okay, it might be not be the f- most efficient way, according to economists, but at least it helps a transition by public spending. Exactly. And it is giving clarity to investors. So yes, I, I can see the economic arguments why it's not the most efficient. But for now investors in the US know where to go to. And and on top of that, Biden did a clever job by putting a lot of those investments in red states so that he knows that even if he's not elected anymore, then the new president is not so eager to break it down because there will be a lot of vested interests also in red Republican states. So he also built it a bit in a bipartisan way. What I mean is there is a strategy behind. There is... American strategy behind. And this is, of course, the problem. We still do not have a European strategy. We have 27 member states, 27 countries who all individually seeing the challenge, but all thinking of, okay, what can I do for my industry? Well, the chances that all the industry in Europe that we are having now in the 27 countries will look the same in 25 years 
the chances for that are close to zero. Yeah, it should be, right? Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, otherwise, <laughs> yeah. otherwise nothing happens. Yeah, and yeah. That, that, that means that you have to formulate on a European level an agenda where is also something in for everyone. So also if you have next year a more to the right-oriented European Commission that they can seduce all member states by saying... Uh, and and that's also playing the card of energy independency, resource exactly. independency. Yeah. And so the more geopolitical arguments instead of the ecological arguments, uh, that, that would and, be and I think the way to go. That, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's, of course, also what the war now has shown is that the green agenda is not only a green agenda. I think we've been working hard to make sure that the green agenda is also an economic agenda. Yeah. I think what you see now, it's also a safety agenda. Yeah. And that should bring more political parties on board and should lower the politicization that unfortunately we see now, right? And there yeah. you can say that also we, as we, I, as green politician, have failed in making clear that, for example, nature restoration, so biodiversity, that that is not a tree-hugging exercise, no. but is a vital element for a resilient agroecological system that we're trying to have in Europe. So that yeah. also the farmers, because now you get a bit like it's either you are in favor or against the farmers, this polarization is not helping anyone because nature restoration is there to make sure that farmers in 20 years' time can still have their agriculture also in drier areas like the south of Europe. Yeah, but we filled, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's also what you said before as an extra argument. Uh, so, so reality will kick in. Also in the financial sector, if you look at Southern Europe, we have now much more climate damage already this year, which leads to new risks on the balance sheet of your Southern European banks. So also for a regulator, it might mean that you have to reconsider what you're doing there also in terms of buffers for climate risks. Absolutely, no. Uh, yeah. Which is... Definitely not a positive scenario, but I think that this is what is going on at the moment. So that's interesting because then we get a, as we discussed this, probably a, maybe a totally different setting on a policy level, which still can help at, uh, sustainability transition and also help the role of financial players if we do it in the right way. Yeah. I think security, which is, of course, a much more right-wing term, if you put it yeah. in the political yeah. specter. But I think security is becoming and will become more and more a dominant factor. We've seen that with energy with Russia, but also food security, as I just explained, climate impact, impacting our food system will become more and more also a challenge for our food security but also, of course, on resources. And this is, of course, where also the agenda with China is coming up yeah. now, where in Europe we are debating a strategy, again, preferably a European strategy, because China is laughing even at a country like Germany. But this kind of security of, of resources, raw materials, that is also becoming clear that, that making ourselves totally dependent of a country like China is super vulnerable. So the green agenda and the security agenda will become more and more one. Yeah, I have to admit, sometimes I forget it being in our own green bubble. But I think as, as a politician, as you are, I, I think it is very valid to combine those arguments and to, to still reach the same goal. Well, you're um, being challenged here on a daily basis. So you have to also look at this broader and, and, and 
And it's also, in a way, sometimes it's challenging you to, because I'm convinced that we have to do this transition, but of course, yeah. someone rightfully can ask you, why? Why should yeah. we do that? Yeah. Also because change, people don't like change necessarily, right? Moving a house, even if you don't like your current house, moving away from it is burdensome. So yeah. if you can try to prevent it, you prefer to do that. So the message of change is always a difficult one. And if you're so sure that we have to change, then rightfully so, some can challenge you, okay, but why would I? And then I think if you look at the global developments, kind of it only confirms the global fight for resources. Europe is in a vulnerable position there. So yeah. also from that angle, we need change. Yeah, maybe to conclude on this, I'm, to be honest, a little bit more optimistic after this uh, this this interview than before. That's good to hear. And it might not be because I think it will be come easier, but but because the other arguments, like like we said, so driving markets is not only legislation; is also different developments that will happen. So, security, uh, global value change, uh, that that kind of arguments that that will help a transition and then it will also be easier also i try to relate it of course to the financial sector to just do what is necessary without waiting for someone else because waiting i think we don't have the time for it no. so that makes me a little bit more optimistic it's it would be very strange i would if i would be very optimistic but maybe <laughs> a, a question to you do you think europe will be in time for a, the right transition I think that's the $1 billion question, to be very honest. So I just wanted to react also to what you just said on, on your more optimistic kind of, I think no matter what, we will be forced or many developments to change our practices. As I said, this global fight for resources and basically all the issues we have, it's, it's, it's about resources, whether it's land, water, energy, or materials, it's all about resources. And, and we are hitting scarcity here. So the limits to growth that's have been predicted in the 60s and 70s. We see the issues here mm -hmm. now. Maybe not the hard barriers that we that that some people were thinking of, and we don't have a peak oil, but we're just going into the barriers of what the carrying capacity of nature or what our climate system can bear. So those those hard barriers are slightly differently defined, but it's all we're running into that. So I think we will change. Absolutely. The big question is: will we be on time? And I think here, and that's why I said Europe doesn't have the luxury to sit and wait. But this is becoming the political battle. Because, yeah. as I said, I think everyone realizes we need to change. But the big fight is how fast do we need to do it at the same time? Can we not do first a bit of energy, then later on we look at transport, and then later on maybe agriculture? Unfortunately, we do not have that luxury. But this is, of course, the political battle that we're having. And here... I am a bit afraid that we cannot wait until the societal actors are all on the same page and, and moving there. So here, really, the political responsibility kicks in. And there, I unfortunately still do not see enough of the urgency. Mm -hmm. This is really one of the, 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 the most pressing points that I see lacking at the moment. And that is the, I mean, think of, sorry to be political, but think of our Prime Minister Mark Rutte. You don't see the urgency. It's all kind of, we have a nice agenda and it's all, you know, it's win-win politicians trying to explain that we can all be better. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be much more honest. This is a transition with urgency. It will hurt somewhere. It will not be a smooth no. ride. We no. will make mistakes. I mean, it is a transition, so you do not always 
have a smooth ride. We will hit bumps in the road, yeah. but we have to do it. We have to do it because otherwise, and that's your question, otherwise Europe will be later and we will be, you know, others will passing us. Let's, most clear example we see on electric cars. We might already be too late on electric cars. Looking now, the biggest world car exporter is China, and it's mostly electric cars. Yeah. They have been moving faster than us. I still think we have a massive, big investment potential with big companies like Volkswagen. They have their, their own foundations with a lot of investment potential. So we still have the possibility of, of catching up, but we're already late there. So we can't afford to be late because otherwise we will be even more dependent of China instead of less, what the agenda was, right? So I think this, this, this urgency, both from a climate perspective, a biodiversity perspective, but also the global race for innovation, that lack of urgency is our biggest challenge as Europeans. Yeah. Thanks, Bas. A clear call for action. And, and also between the lines, I think in the middle somewhere, a clear call for action also for us as Triodos Bank. So we try to be more vocal and uh, try to help you on your mission. Thanks be for being here and uh, good luck there in Brussels. Thanks a lot and uh, really uh, thanks for the conversation. It was nice to be uh, a guest here. <laughs>